Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Well, Utah's getting ready for the Rose Bowl. Is Penn State tough enough for Utah? <laughs> I want to ask my Penn State friends that. I'm going to text that to them. Are, they t- are you guys tough enough for Utah? Uh, Utah coming into this game, I really like Utah. I think this game means something for Utah. Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, though, covers this team. He knows what the hell's going on with Utah. How are you doing, man? Oh, you're giving me way too much credit. I, I don't know everything that's going on. I might know a little bit of a little bit of something, but certainly not everything. All right, you got Rose Bowl coming up, January 2nd Rose Bowl, by the way. How's that going over with the purists uh, out there? Oh, I mean, the purists haven't had a leg to stand on in, like, 25 years, right? Once, you know, the Rose Bowl gave up part of control to to join the BCS, and then they gave up more control to be part of the college football playoff, and now they're giving up full control starting in 2024. So I don't really think anybody quite cares what the, uh, you know, what the purist thinks these days. All right. Let's go to this matchup because Penn State, they only lost two games this season and they have good losses, Michigan and Ohio State. That's their losses. That's that's good, right, on paper. But I look at who they beat. They didn't beat a ranked opponent. And so I kind of like, I like Utah in this game. I think Utah's going to win this game. But how is how does Penn State look to you on paper? Yeah, I think Penn State and Utah are, you know, a little similar from the standpoint of, you know, Kyle Whittingham forever and ever, right? You know, you want to win up front, you want to run the ball, you want to control the clock, and you want to play defense. And for the most part, that's what Penn State wants to do too, right? You know, Sean Clifford is is in his sixth year as quarterback at Penn State. He's never been a guy who's going to sling it all over the place and, and, and throw for 400 yards. You know, what, what Penn State wants to do, it's not, you know, they're not, reinventing the wheel so to speak so again i think they're similar but i think utah's personnel is just better right I, look I, th- I think penn state's going to be physical about it right i think they're pretty good up front you know they're good enough up front to give utah at least a little bit of a problem i just think utah's personnel is is better and i think that cam rising is or or, or could be a difference maker in this game right while sean clifford is not going to swing the ball all over the yard Rising is capable of doing those things. Rising is capable of throwing it 40 times and capable of throwing for 300-plus yards and capable of winning this game by himself if it comes to that. I just, you know, you don't want to oversimplify these things, but, like, the more I look at the matchup, the more I look at personnel, I just think Utah's better. I agree with that. I think Utah's going to win and cover the two-and-a-half-point spread. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Penn State in this Rose Bowl. Rising and Utah, it just feels like, Josh, every time there's a big game, they show up to play. And you can circle those games going back two seasons, and you can go, that was a big game, that was a big game. They pretty much show up to play and play well, including the Pac-12 title game. What is it about this team that that you know sort of manifests itself in that way? I think it's a veteran group that has been through some of these things before, you know, going back to you know, even all the way back to 2019, right? Like, some of these guys have been around a long time. Like, Jalen Dixon has played in multiple Pac-12 championship games. 
Uh, Solomon Enos has played in four Pac-12 championship games. Um, Rising is not exactly a, a young guy anymore, right? He's in his fifth year of college. Um, he was on the team in 19. He wasn't eligible. He was around that team that got to the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon and came up short. So, look, it's it's like anything else. Like, you you know, you do it for the first time, and it's not easy, but then you do it again and again, and things get easier, and it becomes, you know, commonplace, and it's muscle memory and, and all these things. So I agree with you. Every time there is a big game, it seems like these guys really show up to play. They haven't won every big game, right? They lost to Florida in the opener. They, you know, they dropped a clunker at Oregon in late November, but it's not like they were getting completely outclassed and completely outplayed. Um, but yeah, the majority of the big games that guys like Rising and guys like Solomon Enos have played in, they generally show up to play. Yes. Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune is our guest. Rising uh, is an interesting figure in the conference. You've got of course, Caleb Williams back at USC. Bo Nix and Michael Penix have decided to come back at Oregon and Washington. I know this is on your mind. Where's Cam Rising as far as another season at, in Utah, or does he go do something else? I think we entered this season just, you know, assuming. We didn't know anything for sure, but I think a lot of us who cover the team and who are around the program day in and day out, we just assumed that this would be Rising's last year, right? Again, a fifth-year junior, an older guy. Uh, he has made no you know, bones about the fact that he wants to take a crack at a professional career. And his family is very sports-savvy, very football-savvy, right? You know, he comes from a home you know, with two older brothers. One of the brothers played for Arizona State. The father is like this alpha male, big sports guy. The family knows what it's doing. If you'd ask me, well, it's not even about asking me. We asked Cam and Kyle directly five weeks ago, do you think this is it? And Kyle said that, yeah, we think this is it. We think this was his last home game on senior night. Then Cam steps up to the podium, and he said, I believe I've played my last home game. So we kind of left it there, right? You know, we know what happened. They beat Colorado. They beat USC in the Pac-12 title game. They're going back to the Rose Bowl. In the last four weeks, the whole situation has seemed to have shifted. And I'm not saying that he's definitely coming back. But it, it really feels like it has shifted towards he is leaning towards coming back. And it has, I don't want to say everything, but it has a very big amount to do with the NIL potential that Rising is, is looking at if he comes back. Um, he's, probably, he's probably the most prolific, at least within the football program, he's probably the most prolific football player in terms of NIL and money made and potential money to still earn. So, look, if you're asking me right now on December 27th, you know, before the Rose Bowl, before this decision really has to get made, I think he's going to wind up wind up coming back. We just don't know for sure yet. The Utah NIL Collective, um, you know, I know of locker room athletics. Is there more than one there? And, and you know, I think, you know, you're looking at Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. I think the prevailing thought is those guys probably got high six figures, if not seven figures, to come back for another year. The thing that strikes me, Josh, about the Utah fan base is there are some big facilities, there are some big donors. Feels like they're, they're, the money's there for Cam Rising if he wants to come back. Yeah, that's been a huge knock for a long time now that the Utah fan base or the booster. Uh, you know, the boosters or at least the boosters with the real money have not been willing or not able, whatever you want to call it, to step up and help out. 
And, we'll, and what I mean by help out is help out to the point where guys want to come back and play another year and play – another two years now again this rising thing is it is connected to nil and i say that rising might be leaning toward coming back or at least really really considering it and that has a lot to do with you're starting to see a shift now with some of the collectives or a new collective or new boosters getting involved more deep pocket boosters getting involved that's a big reason why this thing is shifting um and again that's a credit to that's a credit to a lot of people but you know the the uh, the NIL stuff at Utah has not has not been the Wild West, so to speak, as we've seen at other places, and a lot of that is because Mark Harlan, the athletic director, has has really tried his hardest to not have his athletic department turn into a circus. Uh, but again, that, that that's credit to him. But we are now moving to a point where it's not going to turn into the Wild West. I'm not trying to say that, but we are now getting to a point, I think, where more people with more money and deeper pockets are, are seemingly willing to get involved with this whole thing. The, you know, the, the, the opt-outs that we see in bowl games, how has that affected Utah? I know a big defensive hit there, but what's kind of the state of this team? Are, are they skating at full strength, so to speak? No, no, they're certainly not at full strength, but at the same time, it could be a lot worse. I mean, Look, you have Clark Phillips, who has been a projected first-round pick in the 23 draft for more than a year. Um, you know, he's a little banged up, right? He missed the Colorado game at the end of the regular season, uh, got himself together to play the Pac-12 championship game. But, you know, no blame, no shame, right? He's a projected first-round pick. He wants to worry about, you know, himself. He's trying to get healthy. He's trying to get ready for the draft. Okay, fine. He opts out. There is not another opt-out. At, you know that that we know about. There's certainly nothing that's been made public. The only other one that's kind of out there is Dalton Kincaid, um, and Kyle was like very adamant that Kincaid was not an opt-out. He is like genuinely and significantly hurt. Like he was also hurt against Colorado. Uh, he was limited against USC. Uh, he's pretty banged up. He's another guy with you know, like real legitimate like day two, day three draft aspirations. So he'll sit, he'll get ready for the combine, he'll get ready for the draft. So look, that's two that's two major players, right? That's your best uh, your best cornerback and your other legitimate pass catching tight end other than Brand Keithy. So now rising is without Keithy and Kincaid. But again, you know, you look at Penn State, they've had a bunch of opt outs, seven, eight, nine opt outs. Could be a lot worse if you're Utah at this point, I think. Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, is with us. Um, okay, so let's take a look. You've got you, you're covering a basketball season. Uh, you know, it's not lost on me. You're working double duty, and you're covering a football season. How is that for you? And do you? And here's another one, wild one. Southwest Airlines, all the airline problems that are going on. Will that impact Utah fans trying to get to Pasadena? It's a great question. I mean, you know, the first thing, yeah, it's like we're covering double duty here. Look, I'm. This isn't my first rodeo, right? I've, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, but things certainly get interesting when you have the football team in the Rose Bowl and the basketball team, you know, with the exception of the last week, like they were playing really well, right? They beat Arizona. They won at Washington State. That's a couple of quad one wins. You, from a metric standpoint, you don't have any bad losses. You know, if you look at the NCAA tournament projections, they're kind of hovering around that 10-11 seed, like first four in Dayton type of thing. So, from that standpoint, it's interesting because both teams are playing well. There's interest. People are reading. 
So I need to be on top of my stuff. Um, great question about Southwest Airlines. Um, I, I, you know, I've heard from a couple, well, more than a couple, a bunch of Utah fans that are very nervous, right? It's, it's almost, well, it, it's essentially game week, right? The game is Monday and you've got people, you know, trying to fly out of SLC. Some are on Southwest, some are on other airlines. Other people, just like last year, are, are opting to drive, okay? It's like nine, nine and a half hours from Salt Lake City uh, to downtown L.A. So, uh, look, I'll tell you this from a personal standpoint. Um, I am in Salt Lake City right now. We tried to put my wife and my son on a plane from Salt Lake to Seattle on Saturday, got canceled three times, and we finally got her out on Sunday morning. Okay, so I'm hoping by the time I get to the airport tomorrow morning that there is less of a circus and that my 8.05 a.m. flight to LAX takes off without a hitch. You're going to be fine. I'm sending you good wishes and good luck on that trip. <laughs> hey, thanks for what you're doing. Uh, for people who want to follow Josh, you can read him uh, at the Salt Lake Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter as well. Uh, he is a really good follow on Twitter. You should do that at Joshua underscore Newman on Twitter. Good luck to you. I know you'll cover the heck out of the, this game, but uh, I like Utah to cover the two and a half. Uh, are you in the same camp? I am. Yeah, I, I do like Utah to cover the two and a half. Uh, Utah's uh, averaging, like they're hovering around like 40 points a game. I don't think they're going to get to 40. I'm not even convinced that anyone's going to get to 30, um, but I think it's going to take like 24, 27 points to win this thing. I like Utah 31-27 covering the two and a half. Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you, my friend. I want you to leave it here. Our big splash is coming up. Top of the hour, we will talk to Matt Preem, who covers the Ducks for 24-7 Sports. He did what Newman said some of the, the Utah fans are doing. He jumped in a car. He drove 1,000 miles from Eugene all the way to San Diego to cover the Holiday Bowl. What was that like? He'll join us to talk about the bowl game and the drive there coming up. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Holiday Bowl coming up tomorrow. I'm 2-0 in my Pac-12 bowl game picks. 2-0 against the spread. I want to keep that going. I'm picking Oregon to win the Holiday Bowl, but I'll give my picks coming up in uh, hour number two, uh, Anna will join us as well. And Matt Prem of 24-7 Sports is going to tell us what it's like to drive a 1,000 miles to go to a Holiday Bowl. He was among those affected by the flight cancellations. He did not want to chance it, and so he jumped in a car with several other reporters, and they made the trip on four wheels all the way from Eugene, Oregon to San Diego. Uh, it's not an insane drive, but it certainly raises some questions about your sanity. But Or maybe maybe I'll spin it positive. It raises some confirmation about Matt Prem's dedication to his craft, that he was willing to jump in a car and, with other media members, mind you, right? This isn't like hanging out in a press box. You're stuck in a car for 1,000 miles. What is that, 15, 17, 18 hours? I don't even know. How many times do you stop? Who's driving? Who do you let drive in that situation? Do you guys, do you have to be the driver? I remember Mike Leach on this show, speaking of Mike Leach, we talked about that when he goes on recruiting trips. He says he's not one of the people, he's not one of these guys that needs to be the driver. Um, do you need to be the driver when you're taking a road trip? Steven and Peter. Uh, I don't have a choice. My wife is always the driver. She uh, she gets very car sick in the car, so I, 
I abide by that and I let her do it. Uh, so it's very rare that I'm actually the driver. Yeah, I don't have to be at all. With I'm, I can think of two or three exceptions, but it's not uh, my principle. It's uh, you know maybe some of my buddies driving I don't trust. It's generally, it's generally, I'm generally the driver, but I like that your wife is playing the, Hey, I get car sick card to get out of having to manage the kids. Steven, are you you saying she's, she's lying? I'm not saying she's lying. I'm just saying, I need you to dig into this investigative reporting (laughs) for me. In our household, there's two jobs. One person's driving the car. The other person's managing the children. And I will often say to Anna, like, hey, uh, you want to drive? You want to manage the children? And then I go, never mind. I'll, I'll drive. <laughs> well, <laughs> because yeah, I know what you're saying. Because I, you know, as in the front seat, I have, like, three water bottles on the floor in yep. front of me. Like, <laughs> snacks, coats, other shoes. Like, yeah, toys. It's everything. Yeah, I, I'm stuck with it. But I will say I'm a great, uh, great, you know, passenger driver there. I, I, I drive the kids and I get them on their way. So it's, it's good. That's good stuff. All right. We, every day on the show, we do our big splash. Today, it comes with a retirement announcement. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. But we... The Big Splash! Well, J.J. Watt took matters into his own hands today. Cardinals defensive lineman announced in a tweet that he will retire at the end of this season. He uh, pointed out that it was his child's first ever NFL game and his last ever NFL home game. Love and gratitude, he said, photo of he and his wife and his family. But 12-year career has two games left, both of them on the road. He'll go to Atlanta and then San Francisco to play the Falcons and the 49ers. He'll walk away as a likely first ballot Hall of Famer, one of three players to be named Defensive Player of the Year three times in his career. Lawrence Taylor and Aaron Donald are the other two players. All three of those awards came when he played for the Houston Texans. Uh, who selected him 11th overall in 2011 out of Wisconsin. He'll finish his career with the Cardinals. He signed with them uh, two years ago. He spent 10 seasons with the Texans, one of three Watt brothers to play in the NFL. His first child was born in October. Uh, But you may remember in late September, J.J. Watt had the rhythm of his own heart reset after he had an atrial fibrillation, and he played days later. He has 111 and a half sacks. That's 26th all time in the NFL. He's the only player to get 20 sacks in multiple seasons. He's done it twice. Uh, since he was drafted in 2011, there are only three other players who have more sacks than he has. Chandler Jones, Cameron Jordan, and Von Miller. He's also first in batted passes, second in fumble recoveries, and tied for third in forced fumbles during his career. J.J. Watt, um, a guy who's uh, generally uh, regarded as one of the best defensive players in football, also has some impact off the field. His foundation's raised nearly $7 million since it was started. And uh, in the wake of Hurricane Harvey, you may remember, his foundation raised $37 million to distribute to victims. His initial goal for that was $200,000. J.J. Watt regarded as one of the good guys in the NFL is hanging it up. This will be his final season in the NFL. Uh, why do you think? Why do you guys think he announced it like now? Why not wait until after it was over? Hey, this was my last one. Why not pull a David Shaw? Um, I don't. I'm, I'm glad he did it now compared to earlier in the season. Like this had to have a send off tour, so I, I think it's okay that you know. I think it was just timing with the kid going to the game for the first time. I think that really had to do a lot with it. Uh, I am glad though he didn't do it at the start of the year. I, I hate those send off tours. 
I do too. I also wonder, like, it was weird to me that he didn't announce it maybe prior to the last home game. You know, did he not want, and I'm sure he'll be asked about that when reporters meet with him, did he not want to be a distraction? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk about uh, Clyde Drexler and Damian Lillard. We'll talk uh, to Matt Prem of 24-7 Sports about Oregon's uh, attempt to win the Holiday Bowl. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.